Huge thanks to Gatorade GX app for sponsoring this episode of MNF Reps. You can download the app right now on iOS. And guess what? It's free. Hey, I'm Zach, and this is MNF Reps. I am speaking with Dr. Duncan Simpson, the Director of Personal Development at IMG Academy. He is a sports psychologist, and IMG Academy is a solid school for people who want to excel as student athletes. They also have online programs for everybody, so check them out at imgacademy.com. Our discussion centered mostly around mental training, how he and his team approach coaching athletes to get them stronger mentally, to get them more focused, to help them rebound when there are setbacks. And I found some of his pointers to be really helpful, even though the last time I played high school sports was roughly two trillion years ago. Hopefully you can use some of them as well. Enjoy. So can you tell me what is your day to day? What is it like? Because I feel like it's got to be pretty hectic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it is pretty hectic. So I've seen two departments, which isn't a huge staff, but I work across in my role, work with student life and work with school and work with sport and obviously our APD staff. So we got whatever, like 900 staff on campus, something crazy and 1400 student athletes. So every day there's a meeting in a different department, different discipline, whether it's marketing or student life or with school or or with my staff so yeah day to day it's pretty hectic um but keeps things lively for sure so okay so the director of personal development so that does seem like you know as you said hectic and there's a lot of i'm sure there's a lot of moving parts and components to that so which is would you say is the most challenging for you uh and then i want to understand how if that does it involve the the student athlete or is the most challenging part maybe sometimes a bureaucracy or sometimes the the having too many things come down on you at once to where you're just like spreading yourself too thin i think it's about prioritizing prioritizing the student athlete so i think when i came and became head of department you know i told the team pretty clearly like I don't claim to know everything that's best for a student athlete, but all my decision-making is going to be funneled through that, that lens of when I make a decision, it's what's best for the student athlete. So even in my lens now as director that I have to manage the staff and make sure, you know, that the staff feel taken care of and cared for while at the same time, the priorities is still the student athlete experience. So then when you're in a meeting about marketing or content or with student life or with school, I still try and put that lens on like whatever decision or people are asking me is like, is you know, does this make sense for the student athlete? So prioritizing that with also, it, it's not either or, but balancing that with the needs of the business. It's a, it's a big business. So making sure that obviously if it's not profitable and we can't keep the lights on, then that's an issue. So where does the business side, you know, where does that, um, where does that work together with that student athlete experience? If that makes sense. Oh, it does. And so on your bio, it says since 2005, you've been conducting mental skills training with everyone from professional athletes to Olympic athletes, you know, D1, D2, D3 athletes. Um, now, what does that entail? So mental skills training? Like, is there an elevator explanation for that? Because I, I feel like it's it's clearly important and I, because you're at a very, uh, you know, it's a competitive school. If you look at the stats of how many successful student athletes have come out of here and to go on to whether it's in the NBA or, or MLB or, or anything like or NFL, you know, it's got to be super competitive, right? So how do yeah. you, how do you use these strategies and skills to create a more mentally prepared uh, student athlete? 
Great question. So I'll try and give you the, the, the shorter answer, but feel free to ask some more. So first of all, when working with an athlete, one, we've got to know the athlete. So how do we get, to, how do we get to know them? There's obviously that personal relationship, you know, speaking to them, the qualitative side, observation, watching them, speaking to their coaches, understanding what that athlete's goals are, where they are in their journey. A 12 year old versus a 17 year old or an 18 year old is very different. So where are they in the athletic journey and personal journey and understanding kind of culturally where maybe they've come from family history, et cetera, et cetera. So getting to know the athlete is the first point from a qualitative standpoint, then there's also assessment. So we, we try and take as much as we can a quantitative point of view on that, which we have numerous assessments that will, um, provide us with some objective data, granted it's self-report. So, um, how they self-assess themselves on areas of confidence, resilience, motivation, um, focus, those kind of attributes, and then taking that would have a somewhat of a profile or any of my stuff would have an idea around this student athlete. Okay. So these are their perceived strengths. These are the areas that they work on. And also if we take a sport, then certain sports in certain positions within certain sports, certain attributes are more important than others. So having sport knowledge and having an understanding where they're in the journey. So if I give you kind of a, a concrete example would be if we're working with a, a captain of a soccer team, you know, one of their key attributes maybe that they need to excel on is communication and, and working of facilitating and leading others. Whereas that's not, that's not a, a priority for a tennis player or a golfer, a track and field athlete. So identifying within the sport, what are the kind of lowest hanging fruit they are going to have the largest impact on performance. Okay. So once we understand that, then it's okay. Um, what are we trying to, I call them psychological attributes. So what are the attributes that we're trying to get to? So for example, if we want an athlete to be more confident, what are the skills that we need to be able to teach that allow that athlete to be more confident? Confidence is like an outcome that we search for, but people treat it like a skill. It's really an outcome or an attribute. So what are the skills? Well, we want to be able to set and hit goals. We want them to manage their self-talk. We'll probably teach them some visualization and some imagery. We'll be looking at performance planning. We'll be looking at mistake management. So all these skills that are pretty transferable across things, um, those all add up to with the end goal of making an athlete more confident. Confidence in itself is, is not a, well, I'd call it skill. So when you say skills, it's building up these skills that we want to, at the end of the day, achieve this. And then how do we know we've achieved it? Obviously there's that continual qualitative assessment. We look at performance and we also self-assess on the other end. So we develop a training plan each semester. Every athlete here has a, a mental performance plan. Um, and that may be consistent for the sport fall and the spring, or it may change slightly based on kind of the outcomes that we may or may not have hit in the fall may change for the spring. So each mental coach has to develop a mental performance plan for the group and the team they're working for. So there's a okay. lot there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is. But I think I got what you're saying in that it's about either preparedness, getting them prepared and understanding how to either dissect a success or failure and also um, just step back and look at what they're doing and assess it uh, instead of maybe just investing so much emotion in it sometimes. And um, you tell me if this is accurate, cause I don't know, um, you know, but just not being so emotional about the decision, but maybe sitting back and saying, okay, 
here's where I could have improved or here's where I could have done better or this is what I need to work on rather than just being like when I would play sports, whether it would be the kid that threw his bat after he struck out and then he couldn't recover or the running back who fumbled or the D-back who, who let off the huge pass and they just, they get stuck and they're emotionally stunted. They, they cannot move past it. Whereas if you're just like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, I crossed my feet. So that's why that guy was able to run that post or whatever. Um, is that kind of part of what you're saying? Like, obviously not the whole thing, but just being able to just step back and understand more and that preparedness then equates to confidence because they're able to just take the problem apart, pick it apart, and then next time attack it differently? Yeah, I think if I was to kind of reword slightly, you know, I think when we mentally train an athlete, what we're giving them is a plan and skills that in any given situation, we can adapt and be flexible and we're not rigid. So when we work with an athlete, if an athlete has done no mental training, when those circumstances come up, like you gave, mm-hmm. like, what is it to fall back on? Now, right. some athletes, you know, will, will get through it in various ways, but for our athletes is, Hey, we have a plan. You have skills in which to, to implement. Again, it doesn't work every time, but right. when this happens, we do X, we sit back, we, we assess, we, we kind of uh, manage the situation, we manage our mistakes, we, we, instead of getting emotional, we focus, we rethink, okay, this is a different approach. So again, loading them with a toolbox with any given situation, they can go into a toolbox and they can use different tools and techniques to handle that situation. So when you give someone a plan, it gives them hope and it gives them a direction. So I, a lot of mental training is giving them that, that ability to say, hey, I, I have something in my locker when, you know, the proverbial hits the fan. Now, a lot of, a lot of you know, people, like, like there's obviously a cap, right, at IMG Academy. Not everybody can get in. Not everybody can afford it. So if we were going to give some piece of advice, maybe like the basics or the one-on-one to somebody right now that is, an, you know, a younger athlete, what would you say would be one of the most important things they focus on to help them excel or succeed? And are there common obstacles that you've noticed throughout your career that a lot of these student athletes run into that maybe you can give them the heads up to keep an eye out for? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think there are commonalities. I think with every athlete, at every level that I've been able to work with from four-year-olds up to Olympians has been that recognizing strengths that it's so and it, that sounds very basic but every athlete will recognize the areas where they're deficient i made this mistake i did this i'm not good here i'm not good here but for every athlete doesn't matter their age or ability level they have some strengths whether it's mental physical technical tactical they have strengths so we can often compensate for our deficiencies by focusing on our strengths and amplifying some of our strengths. So when I go with athletes, I work on a strength-based approach. We get athletes to focus on what are the things you're really good at. That's not to say that we don't look at areas for improvement, but too often athletes overlook their strengths. The second kind of commonality that I see with athletes, especially the youth age, is managing expectations and fear of failure. And those two things kind of go hand in hand. So expectations are really around the things they should, they have to, they need to, must do. So when we talk to ourselves on the things that we should be able to do, or we have to do, or we need to do, or we must do, that brings comparisons to other people. Um, And that's usually detrimental. So when we start comparing, 
there's always someone better better than us always someone bigger stronger faster um, instead of looking at self-improvement so i talk about having a goal setting mindset so what are the things you want to do as opposed to that you should or need to do so having a goal setting over expectations and then the second thing that i mentioned is fear of failure fear of failure is very prominent um, in youth athletes especially and that's again tied to expectations it's the nature of comparison so we compare to other people and we worry too much about the failure as opposed to focus on ourselves focus on self-improvement and how do we get better. at the end of the day no one's trying to like that that top level they're running ever going to get to is a u14 football player soccer player baseball that's not their goal their goal is to be the best at college or pro or best high school player they can be. So when you're a 14 year old, it feels like the end of the world when you struggle or you make mistakes, but that's never anybody's goal. So it's trying to take that long-term view of, you know, managing mistakes and failures. Is it that because a lot of us, this fear of failure, we start to blow things up in our head. Like if you miss the the foul shot to win the game or you miss the putt, life is going to end and everybody's going to laugh at you and you're going to be like the laughing stock and you're never going to succeed. But the, the truth is what you just said, if you really look at the reality of the situation, yeah, it stinks. Nobody likes to lose. Losing sucks. But there's another game. There's another putt. There's another shot. So I guess it's, you know, how do you get somebody or do you have to, you know, how long does it take sometimes? Is that one of the hardest things that you have to do is kind of rewire or rework people's thoughts about that? Like, hey man, it's it's all good. So what? Dude, everybody misses a shot, but you know, I know when you're in it, it's different. So h- how do yeah. you how do you approach that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things I try to do with all athletes is validate their feelings. You know, anytime an athlete's really struggling, for you to say, hey, it's no big deal or it doesn't matter, you're not validating, you're not listening, you're not really caring for that person. So for that athlete in that moment, it may feel like the absolute end of the world and you're sat there as an adult going, what, like this doesn't matter. You'll forget about this in three weeks time, but that doesn't help the athlete. So first of all, validate how they feel. It's okay to feel X, it's okay to feel like this. Um, and then it's also when the time is right and it is about timing when you're coaching and working with athletes is providing that perspective and not for me to provide it, but to do it through questioning and for them to come up with their own answers. So a question I I like with my athletes is, you know, um, when we think about development and progress and being the best athlete you can be, if you take a step back in six months time, are you going to be a better athlete or are you going to be worse? 99% of the athletes are going to say, I'm going to be better in six months time. I'm going to be better in a year. I'm going to be better in two years we can take out that you're not going to get better because you've told me you're going to progress. You're going to get better at this. So the mistakes you made in the past, we're going to, we're going to adjust for those in the future. So again, it's getting the athletes to try and see that long-term approach is you, you're going to get better. Um, we're going to make mistakes along the way. Um, but again, validating those feelings in the moment and then helping them through questioning as opposed to tell them, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. That, that honestly doesn't help. They just kind of, shut down and I would probably shut down too. Um, and I try and help coaches not tell athletes it's not a big deal because to yeah. them in that moment, it is a big deal, like you said. No, that makes sense. I try to say that to myself. I try not, you know, I don't, listen, I'm not qualified to go tell anybody else what they should be thinking. But I, I do t- say that to myself because look, even whether it's sports or whether it's in a professional setting, you know, 
screw ups are all always terrible. Like they always suck. They always make you feel like, you know, you're down and you want to beat yourself up a little bit. But I do step back. I try to at least to try to, so I don't dive into this awful, just this black cloud of depression that dude, you can do it. Relax. Uh, so what you had, a, you had a bad game this time or whatever. You had a bad uh, presentation or you had a, I wrote something shitty and I can come back from it. But again, it, it took a long time to get there. And also, I think it was seeing a lot of other folks do do it in a way that I wouldn't. Like, react in like an over-the-top way that I would be like, I was like, dude, wow, like, holy crap. Like, that's that's on the varsity of overreactions. Uh, yeah. So. I, mean, I, th I think something that kind of goes along with that is, you know, we judge ourselves a lot of time in hindsight. So I think we're not trying to, I, I don't really meet people that are deliberately, you know, trying to screw up, trying to make mistakes. Sure. You know, I think for most people, you try and do the best you can in any given situation with the information and the knowledge you have. And then we judge ourselves in hindsight when we see the outcome or we, something happens in a couple of weeks and we're like, oh, but then in a couple of weeks, we have more information or we've had feedback into that loops. Into that, we have uh, more information into that feedback loop. So then we're judging ourselves against different criteria. So a lot of times with athletes, I just say, look, in that moment, did you make the best possible decision with the information you had? And they, you know, you try. Um, right. And again, if they say, you know, uh, it wasn't like I didn't make a good decision because the X, Y, well, okay, that's, you've identified there's a learning opportunity right there. Like, hey, I, I screwed up on this project because I didn't study, or I didn't put the work in. Well, okay, that's an obvious lesson. Right. It's a hard one. Let's move on. Let's not do that again. So, but most of the time it's like we're judging ourselves against a different set of criteria because hindsight's, you know, 2020. Is part of the approach or strategy you use to help people create habits or break bad habits? I've seen a lot of these books where it's like, you know, in 15 days you can do this, in 30 days you do that or whatever it is. And I'm curious, what is your suggestion or approach to this? Because I'm sure whether it's uh, creating better study habits or just creating better practice habits outside of the the structured practices, you know, just being able to continue uh, to develop your skill. What is it that you'd suggest or how do you go about uh, creating these better habits or identifying ones that are, uh, you know, negatively impacting what the ultimate goal is? Wow, these are good questions. Okay, so I'll, I'll take my stab at it is, I think for a lot of athletes and people that they don't necessarily know the components that it takes to be successful and to win. So what I, what I mean by that is, okay, what is success that you're aiming for? Um, let's just say, Hey, I want to be at a, a certain level of tennis and there's rating systems. I want to shoot par at golf. Okay. So do you actually know the components it takes to, to get there? Do you know the steps? Do you know what a par golfer or this level tennis player or this level of success in whatever career, do you know what it takes to get there? Do you know those steps? Do you know what they do or someone who's been in that position? What have they done? A lot of times the answer is no. So you're aiming for a goal that you don't know how to get to. You don't know the components that it takes to get there. You know, it's kind of like, Hey, if you're going to, bench 200 pounds, like what, what are the steps you need to do? You can't just go up and throw up 200 pounds. Right. You have to go through a progression. So for, for me, for athletes, it's, it's identifying, okay, where do you want to go? What is success? What does success mean to you? Why do you want to be successful? Go through those kind of questionings. And then 
do you actually understand what it takes to get that? So for example, if I say, Hey, and this is real, this is real life. Like we sell our tennis players. I want to play at Stanford uh, men's tennis. Okay. Well, Stanford men's tennis is incredibly high. Do you know what level you have to be at? Okay. Have you even looked at the players on their team? Do you know whether, like, have you studied how have they got there? What is their journey? Like, and a lot of players, once they even get there, like, oh, that's unattainable. Okay, well, let's adjust your goal. Okay, I want to play here. I want to play at this school. I want to do, okay, so we, we may adjust or, okay, we start to have a reference or a framework of what success looks like. And then someone who's reached that level, and then we start to know what it might take. So a real life example would be here. If you want to be a linebacker in the SEC, Okay, well, let's look at what does the profile of a SEC linebacker look like, right? So they may be 235 pounds, body fat percentage is this, they run a, you know, a, a 4.5 or 4.4, they bench this, they squat this. Where do you stack up? Like if you're 170 pounds and, you know, you can bench 100 pounds, like you're probably it's gonna not going to... It's going to be a tough, uh, tough road to, the, <laughs> to it's that. It's going to be tough, tough. Once we establish what success looks like, what are those, uh, what's that framework, then we can start thinking about, okay, what are the daily habits that I need to do to enable to get to that level? And I think that advice can be transferred into, you know, professional career advice, right? If I want to do this, if I want to be at this level, um, and, uh, you know, in, in the professional world, mentors, right? So it's like finding mentors, finding people who have been in those situations, people who have shared their success or people who have been there, lived it, that can help you connect the dots, that's incredibly powerful. So once we know that, then it's about, okay, what are the daily habits, the daily routines? It doesn't have to, you know, everybody's path and everybody's way to something is different. There's, I don't say there's hacks, but there's probably some good frameworks out there, like some of the habit books and yeah, it's great. Um, but it doesn't work for everyone. I've seen people who are incredibly disorganized in certain areas, but have been incredibly successful because they've just followed a slightly different path because they, they know what's right for them. So I think the biggest thing is, like I said, setting that framework in place of what success looks like. Is social media something that you have to deal with a lot when it comes to student athletes, meaning that, you know, the better you get at something, right? The more people are going to start to notice you and comment about you. And those can be insanely negative, right? Like there's, it could be a real toxic place depending on, you know, maybe there's just jealousy. Maybe somebody's jealous that you're better than them or they're jealous that you're creating opportunities that they think they've been deprived of. The point is it could really affect people's mental health. So is this something that you have to encounter or that you have to, do you do anything for this? Is this something that you've noticed becoming more and more prevalent over the years? I think the reality is that the generation that we're currently working with, the teenage population at IMG, that they've always grown up with it. So it's no different from them. They've always grown up with some form of social media. They've had the phone from, if they're an 18 year old, they've had the phone for, you know, from the age of 10, 9, 8, 10, whatever. So it's not different for them. Um, it's a little different for older generations that see it. And, you know, I think yeah. if you're an older generation, never had it, and you're transitioning in, that's a little different. That doesn't mean it, it can't be incredibly toxic and it can't be very counterproductive. Um, I think when athletes um, attribute their own self-worth to what other people think about them, that is a very dangerous place. So we work here, we work with athletes, our leadership department, one of the departments I oversee, help athletes to 
get crystal clear on what that self-identity is and help them as they're transitioning through teenage years, which <laughs> during those teenage years, we have a lot of things going on and we're developing our sense of identity and who we are and trying to be authentic. And, and that changes literally daily for some athletes, but helping them establish their own sense of self-worth and self-identity so that we're crystal clear about who we are and it doesn't matter what necessarily other people think or say. Having said that, you know, when I talk to athletes and the reality is that people who say they don't care what other people think, there's a name for them and they're narcissists. Like everybody cares what people think. Everyone cares about, you know, when people say things about them, there's very few people that have that absolute coat of steel that they don't care. It's managing how much you take that on board and how much that impacts you. So it's okay to listen. It's okay to receive criticism. It's okay to take that, but you have to, you have to obviously take that in perspective. So a lot of the work we do with athletes is making sure that you're clear on your identity. It's okay to receive feedback. How much are you going to take this on board and managing that? And that's not a, that's not an exact science. It's not, it's not easy. Um, you know, I talk a lot with athletes about comparison. I think that's the challenge is there's always peer comparison. I think that's part of growing up, right? And it's probably part of adulthood too. We, we compare with other people. Sure. But if we can shift a little bit of that focus from comparing into like competing and competing with myself and my own efforts and the own things that I'm doing. The one other piece that we work very um, hard on with our athletes is developing a very clear sense of value. So while I, our identity and our will mold and change and personality our values are relatively consistent so those can be instilled from childhood from their family obviously the environment but having very clear getting the athletes to be very clear on what their values are and are they living to their values so if their values are honesty and hard work whatever it might be integrity you know are you living up to your values because if you're living up to your values what other people say about you doesn't matter so much but if you're not living up to your values, you're going to have a lack of congruency and there's going to be issues there. So when we have people trying to adapt who they are to other people's viewpoints, that's an issue. So we work on identity, we work on values. Um, at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's part of them growing up to hear criticism. Um, and it can be, as you mentioned, it can be incredibly toxic. And that's something that we're continuously looking at, but there's no technology is not going away. Um, so it's about how do we manage it as opposed to like just eliminate it. It's, it's just part of their lives. Dr. Simpson, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you think would be incredibly important when it comes to offering advice, suggestions, or a pathway for people to get that competitive edge, be it in high school, college, uh, to achieve their goals? Even in my position, like obviously a lot of, a lot of the day, I, I, I try not to give advice. I, I try to ask questions and listen, but the medium here is, I think advice is as we go through this, nobody does it alone. And I know that's a cliche comment, but the best athletes in the world, they have a support network around them. So if, if an athlete is trying to be the best that they can be, it's making sure that they surround themselves by the best possible group, whether it's the best peer group whether it's the best set of coaches, um, maybe it's an uncle, an auntie, maybe for a lot of athletes, it's their parents. Having a very clear support network around them and that support work needs to be able to support, it needs to be able to challenge and provide feedback. 
because an athlete's going to go through highs and lows and they need to be able to be pushed, but they need to be able to be supported. So a support network, identifying who is in your circle, as you may say, is absolutely imperative. And if there's people within that circle that are taken away from your experience, that are being negative and are draining on your experience, then they shouldn't really be in your circle. So I think to have athletes look very closely at the people who are around them and who impact them on a daily basis, that's essential. And then that's the support mechanism and then the challenge mechanism you have to have people challenging you and you also have to be able to challenge yourself so it's that if you're not self-motivated that internal drive you're only going to really get so far and you need other people as well so it's kind of that support challenge matrix we need to support but we also need to challenge isn't that um i might be screwing this up but isn't that kind of like you know when you with group sports or group training with a group or whatever, is it the Kohler effect where like the least um, maybe skillful or prepared person will work harder because they everybody else is as well? So it's kind of like the same thing. Surrounding yourself with the right people can really, I guess, activate things that maybe you can't or won't do on your own. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's that challenge focused environment, not a relentless, not a, a toxic and negative, but really challenge people in the right way, challenge people to be the best that they can possibly be from a physical point of view, a technical, a strategy. Um, and I think that's sometimes where we're coaching. I'm not, I'm going to get on a soapbox for one second, but I think sometimes coaching in new spots goes wrong is that we're super high coaches are super high on challenge, but they challenge in the wrong way. And then they're not supportive. So you can absolutely challenge and push in the right ways, push athletes to be the absolute best they can be in a way that's not derogatory, not demeaning, but, but taps into their motivation, taps into helping them be the best they can be. And simultaneously, you have to support them when they have the low moments. You have to talk to them in, in a way that's appropriate. You have to be able to tap into and know who they are as a person. So I think youth sports, we sometimes over-index on the, the challenge in a wrong way and under index on the support. Um, so I think a lot of times people talk about, well, you know, we're too soft on athletes. It's not about being soft. In fact, I'd say we can be tough in a challenging way, but we also have to support them and you have to challenge in the right ways. Um, and again, being derogatory and demeaning and shouting and screaming at kids, that's not, that's not, it's not the right way to do it. Right. And it's probably different now because we, it's different culture than when I grew up um, playing high school sports in the 90s and even college sports where it was like rub dirt on it. You know, don't it's like don't show emotion. You can't be upset. It's like, oh, just forget it. And I don't obviously that doesn't work. Um, people, you know, humans are complex you know, animals here. So we do need to embrace that. It doesn't just have to be screaming and yelling and pushing them and you know, kind of like the stereotypical football movie of the coach, like cracking the whip and pulling somebody by their helmet. Sometimes not everybody needs that. Uh, and wouldn't it be like a case by case where there's certain athletes that you do need you to be a little rougher on them to, to, to kick them into gear and others, they may not respond to that. So as a coach and as an educator and as a director, is that something that you have to read the room you have to pick it out and understand that yeah i think that that is the art of coaching right there's a science part of it and there's also an art you know if you have a a team of basketball athletes i think 
you know, Mike Krzyzewski was a master at it. Like there's some athletes that are going to need a different kind of relationship and are going to need a different way of being challenged to other athletes. And you treat people fairly, you don't treat them all the same. Um, And it's the same with staff. Like you have to know how certain people are going to take certain feedback, how you're going to provide that feedback, the manner, the timing. And that's the exact same with, with coaches. But I've never heard an athlete say, oh, they were the best coach ever. And they just let me do whatever I want. Like, that's right. not good coaching. Like, we, right. again, kind of really good coaches will will challenge and push and try and get their athletes to be the absolute best they can be, but they do it in a certain way. And again, Mike Krzyzewski or, you know, you pick out a million different really good coaches that do that. They, they absolutely challenge, but they can balance it with the support. And then you have some of the old school coaches that they can be very, what we'd say is effective. Bobby Knight was very effective as a basketball coach, but did he balance that out? You know, uh, did his athletes love him? I mean, some of them will love, but again, you have to adapt your style. I think the best coaches can adapt their style. I think it's gone are the days of the, all our athletes or all our people are going to adapt to the leader. It's got to be the leader is going to adapt to the people in order to make that team or that group or that department the best that they can possibly be. So yeah, absolutely challenge, but absolutely support in the right way. Sir, I want to thank you for your time, for being so generous today with it. I really, really enjoyed this discussion. I I really do. uh, I love talking about this type of stuff and I hope, you know, I like to be a small piece of the puzzle and spread the word. And are you active on social media? Is there like anything you'd like to put up there where people can see what you're up to? Any Anything like that? <laughs> I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Sports Psych Dunk, D-U-N-C. So that's my handle on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. People can connect through LinkedIn. I would say if people want to sample what we do on campus, but maybe not be able to commit to being here on campus. We now have what we call IMG plus, which is you can do mental training. You can be based anywhere in the U S actually anywhere in the world. And you can work with a qualified mental coach and you can do that virtually. So if athletes want to do that, we have a program that's established out one-on-one coaching. There's also courses. So if anyone's interested in that, that'd be IMG plus. And if you look on the IMG website, I can certainly send you the links. No, I'll check it out and I'll post those as well. I really think that's a good point, right? That the internet makes these things accessible. And obviously like the pandemic, as awful as it was, it really has opened people's eyes that you can, it's not, again, I work at home now from after the pandemic. I don't love the fact that I'm always at home. However, it has opened my eyes up that I can educate myself and continue my education uh, through virtual classes when needed. So that's really cool. That's great. Yeah, I know that ending was kind of abrupt. Sorry about that. The only thing I can say is technology. Anyway, I want to thank Dr. Duncan Simpson, IMG Academy, and Gatorade GX app. They've all been fantastic, and I hope what we did get was really insightful for you guys. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.